Day, the Little Lighthouse Podcast, where our passion is to help parents of kids with special needs be confident caregivers. Our mission is to glorify God by improving the quality of life for children with special needs, their families, and communities. I'm your host, Christina McIndorfer, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I have the special privilege of introducing you to the Little Lighthouse's founder and executive director for 41 years, Marsha Mitchell. In today's episode, she sits down with me and shares her personal journey of discovering that her daughter would have visual impairments. She's honest about how devastating that news was to begin with and how she slowly ventured into a journey toward hope. The hope she found she was able to offer to others by starting a small developmental center, originally just for five other students who all had visual impairments, which then grew to become a center which is serving hundreds of children in Tulsa and touching the lives of many more around the world. If you want to learn more about the story than we were able to talk about today, you can. Marcia has written the story in the book, Milestones and Miracles, which covers the first 20 years of the ministry, and another book, God's Work, God's Way, that outlines the biblical principles upon which the school was founded. Both those books are available on Amazon, and links are in the bio. Thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation. Marsha, it's such a blessing to get to be with you today. Thank you for making time to share your heart with us. Well, I am blessed to be able to be with you. I think these podcasts are wonderful, and I'm so excited about them, so I feel very honored to be a part of it. Well, I feel honored to know you on a personal level, and as you know, I'm a big fan of The Little Lighthouse, and the reasons for it are reasons that you carry and that you've been really passionate about. And so I'm happy for us to give you the opportunity to explain to our audience how you came to steward this mission and the processes that you've walked through to implement the key principles and practices that have made us what we are and give some insight into that because I think we can all glean from those principles and internalize them and and find something of value to put to practice in our own lives and the areas where we have influence, whether that's our families or whatever our profession is, no matter what degree of leadership we have, when we can have this worldview of putting Christ first, it will literally change the world. Um, would you like to just start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family? Well, I'd be delighted to. Um, as you said, uh, God led us into starting the little lighthouse, and some people, a lot of people know why. Uh, my husband and I have been married for three years when God blessed us with our, our little girl. And uh, 24 hours after she was born, we learned that she was uh, special and that her vision was going to range somewhere between less than normal and blind. It's interesting because I had played the part of Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker as a drama major at Drury University, and so had studied the deaf and blind. And as a little girl, I had a friend who was one of my dearest friends, 
uh, who I adored and loved being with her and loved reading to her because, you see, she too was totally blind. And uh, so I'd kind of grown up with this precious friend and uh, learned a lot about the blind through her. And then after I graduated from college and came back home and began to teach, turns out I had a totally blind student in my classroom. And my friend who was blind uh, when we were little had introduced me to a wonderful piano teacher who I took piano from for years, who also was totally blind. So when I heard these words, it wasn't like I was totally unfamiliar, but I just wasn't quite ready for it. So, um, you know, we, we went through the same adjustments that so many parents do. And um, God just led us through that, what seemed at the time, uh, that valley, and began to reveal wonderful things to us. You know, at first, my big question was, why? Why, Lord? Why have you done this to us? Mm. And um, as I shared many times at speaking engagements, um, one day, Phil was late arriving. Phil, my husband, was late arriving, and... Uh, I was still in the hospital, and he, he had gone home to get some things and came back, and he, he was very late. And so I said, you know, where have you been? And he was real evasive about it, it seemed. I finally kept pressing him, you know, what, what's going on? He finally found words to explain. He said, you know, I was on my way to the hospital, and he said, it's a beautiful day out there, just beautiful. And he said, I just began to look at this big wide world around me. And if our baby can't see, I began to wonder, how would I describe all of this to her? How will I describe a bird in flight if she can't see it? How will I describe clouds floating in the sky if she can't see? And he said, all of a sudden, I began to see I felt like for the first time in my life, really see as God intends us to see. And he said, everything became so much more beautiful. And he said, I just, I just kept driving and looking and beholding and taking in. And uh, he said, I, all of a sudden I realized that grass isn't just a big green mass, but it's trillions of tiny individual blades. And he said, everything just took on a whole new depth of beauty and he continued sharing, and as he did, I remember looking at the roses by my bedside that someone had sent and thinking to myself, they're just much more brilliant in color than they were just moments ago. And everything just took on a whole new beauty. Both of us began to see in a whole new way, but the most important thing that we began to see was that this was not something God had done to us. Rather, this was something God had done for us. He had allowed us to be blessed with a beautiful baby girl who had begun to teach us before she could even talk. And interestingly, she also began to lead us closer to the Lord before she could even walk. And um, so we decided, instead of asking God why, to begin asking him how how he could use our situation for good. And, of course, we had no idea <laughs> what God had in mind. Um, but, uh, you know, that was a whole new beginning for us, and it was a real lesson. And mm. it's, it's a lesson that has stayed with me 
um, for all these years. Missy just turned 50 recently. And Mm -hmm. so for these 50 years, I think that we have held on to that. And when things get tough, not to ask God why. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we may not ever get a definite answer for that. Um, until we are with him face to face. And then I think the answers will be such aha moments that it will go, all of us will, oh, I get it now. But I'm not sure this side of heaven we can get it. And so I think for us it has proven better to ask God how. Mm -hmm. How can you use this for good? You know, Scripture says all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I so believe that. I am passionate about that. I've seen it happen time and time again, where God does work all things together for good. And so little did we know that God was going to use that little life um, to inspire us to begin uh, a ministry that uh, 40 plus years later, almost 50 years later, would actually be helping children around the world. we could not have seen that ever, <laughs> but God had a plan. And um, so that was kind of our beginning, and um, the rest is history, I guess you could say. But uh, today, uh, my husband and I are both retired, and we live very close to uh, my beautiful daughter, who uh, adopted. She's never married, but she said she wanted to be a mommy, and she adopted two beautiful little girls. They are uh, from China. Oh well, you, you don't want to get me started on that because <laughs> I I am the the grandma. I said I would never be. I'd never be one of those who's always showing pictures and so on. Well, I'm probably the worst. Oh, we're also glad that you are. <laughs> but uh, they have been pure joy, and uh, the the way we were able to get them actually, you know, ties into the little lighthouse story, which is another story yes. uh, that might be for another podcast. I but hope so. uh, at any rate, um, you know, we ended up starting the little lighthouse because we were not able to find services for Missy, and God miraculously brought us in contact with another couple who had a child who was visually impaired, and um, they too were desperately in need of services and. Um, you know, I, I, when I reference the little lighthouse story to somebody that's never heard of it, um, and, or hand them a copy of Milestones and Miracles, which, uh, is, uh, chronicles our faith journey with the little lighthouse. I always tell them, if you like God's stories, you will love these stories because the little lighthouse is one big God story. Yes. It is one big testimony to the love and the power of God. And it has been from the beginning, and it still is to this day, the fact that it it is there, and it continues to not only thrive, but grow, um, and has, even in the midst of difficult economies, and even in the midst of COVID, even in the midst of um, very difficult um, scenarios, the little lighthouse has continued to thrive by God's grace and power. And, um, you know, probably one of the most remarkable things, and this kind of goes in a different direction, but it, it ties back into the fact that it is a God story. And that is that from the beginning, well, after one year, uh, we ceased to charge tuition. Now, for that year, maybe it's a year and a half, we actually charged $10 a month. Oh. 
And um, <laughs> uh, I'm not even sure why we were even doing that, but uh, someone had advised us to charge something. But we found that there were families that could not afford that. Mm. And um, we began to discover that the financial impact of having a child with special needs is huge mm-hmm. for so many families, especially those that have medically fragile children. Mm-hmm. And so um, we d- decided we would make it tuition free and all services would be uh, given in the name of Jesus. And um, we would just never charge tuition. And so Almost 50 years later, we still charge no tuition. We receive no federal funding. We receive no United Way funding. We receive no insurance reimbursements. And so many folks would ask, how does that even work? How, how can it still be? Because I believe the budget is now in the neighborhood of $2 million. Am I right? If you will believe it, it's three and a half million. Okay. Well, yes. I was a little behind there. <laughs> anyway, I never want to overstate. I oftentimes yes. understate, but I never want to overstate. And so, you know, to have a $3 million budget, you break that down of what that is per month. And mm-hmm. that we, the ministry has never been in debt mm-hmm. is, is a huge miracle. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... You know, it is one big God story, and that big God story has lots of of God stories within it. Yes. And uh, so I love to talk about uh, what God has done at the Little Lighthouse, and I love to think about how much he loves those children mm-hmm. in order to have given us the miracles that he has given us. And when I think about the hundreds, if probably thousands, of testimonies of parents that, you know, I have heard them saying, my, the doctor said my child would never walk. Mm-hmm. He's walking. Yes. The doctor said my child would never talk. He's talking. Yes. You know, the doctor said, and, and God bless the doctors. You know, they, right. they, they, they've got to call it as they see it. Mm-hmm. But God. Yes. But God is able, and um, God has... Uh, divinely orchestrated incredible resources for our staff to be able to utilize and our staff members are so they're totally devoted to be used of God yes and so they don't just look to textbooks Mm -hmm. they look to the Lord for guidance and I think that's what makes the difference I think that's what's helping them help these kids uh, be kids Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. That brings me to, I was going to ask you about the transdisciplinary team. How did you guys come upon that? Because I know from a therapy perspective, it really is helpful to be able to collaborate with other people with different expertise, but that's not always been the model that's out there. How did the Little Lighthouse come to embrace that model? Well, I love that question. And it's one, uh, Christina, that I haven't had the opportunity to talk about very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just love what God did. Mm. First of all, let me just say that you and I know that God loves us, all of us, but he loves us on a personal level. He loves you and everything about you, and he knows everything about you, and he knows exactly what you need right now. He knows exactly what I need right now, and how he works with me is going to be very different probably than how he's 
working with you Mm -hmm. at the time. He has all of us on kind of an IEP, if you will. Yes. And, um, you know, he knows when he needs to get my attention about something and he knows just how to get it. (laughs) And so I love that the little lighthouse reflects God's very personal uh, way with us. He desires personal relationship with us. He desires to mm-hmm. uh, know us intimately and for us to know him intimately. Yes. And that's what has to happen at the little lighthouse mm-hmm. with our staff. We need to know the children well. So, you know, immediately that brings up the parents. Well, the parents know that child. Mm-hmm. So they become a very important part of our team. Um, we've always had a uh, a philosophy of listen carefully to what the parents have to say. Um, but getting back to the uh, transdisciplinary, so when we first started, we actually started just for visually impaired children. Okay. And um, we had five little kiddos, and we had five volunteers, and we had one teacher who committed to taking on that job before we could guarantee her of a salary. Um, or a roof over her head. She had no idea what kind of children she was going to be working with, um, but God just provided. And so we were able to start in this little frame house, and, um, you know, we we had like $65 worth of equipment, <laughs> and that was the very beginning. So um, Christy was just, we just had the one teacher, However, we had a working relationship with a program in Oklahoma City where they had social workers and therapists and teachers, and they had a, a diversification of expertise. So initially, Christy worked with them. They helped design and develop uh, very prescriptive programs for each child. And all the therapists, everybody would contribute to that, and then Christy would actually implement those programs and and teach volunteers how to implement them. I see. So that was kind of the very beginning. Well, eventually that became kind of um, cumbersome, the trips back and forth and the communicating back and forth. And so um, there came a time when the Little Lighthouse was finally able to hire our own therapist. But because of the way um, the program had evolved really out of what was called a home program, in other words, um, let me back up a little bit. I may be confusing people. Uh, Missy actually began this program in Oklahoma City at five months before we started the Little Lighthouse. And we would take her there, and then all of their professionals would see her, and they together would write a program for us to carry out at home. And um, the very simple techniques and ideas and uh, exercises and activities to do with her. But we saw a huge difference right away. And so we knew the benefit of that transdisciplinary. We didn't know what it was called, but we knew the benefit of it. And so we wanted to hold on to that when we actually started the Little Lighthouse. And so essentially, the professionals in Oklahoma City, and God bless them, um, put, wrote a home program for each child. They saw the, they came over, saw the children, and then they wrote a home program. And then Christy, our teacher, would actually carry them out and supervise our volunteers and carrying them out. So it was kind of born there. Um, eventually, we were able to, like I said, hire our own therapists and um, additional teachers. And they just continued to carry out that approach where 
we incorporated all the disciplines and the children got the benefit. And the teachers understood what the therapists were doing. The therapists knew what the teachers were doing. They all worked together as one team. And so that really evolved in the very beginning. Um, some people might wonder what happened. How did you evolve from just serving children with visual impairments to children with all types of special needs? And um, the explanation is really pretty simple. Uh, when we first started, we had only our child that was just visually impaired. Every other child had some other special need. And so very quickly we learned at that time, I don't know if the, the statistic is still true today, but at that time we learned that the average child with special needs had 2.2 handicapping conditions. Mm. Um, that's what they referred to it at, at that time. And... Um, so we realized, you know, we, we are already working with therapists and working with the total child, not just their vision. So meanwhile, we had more and more begging to be um, admitted to the Little Lighthouse as a child, as a, as a student, and uh, enrolled. And so we decided, really, within the first year, to no longer require a statement from uh, an ophthalmologist that there was a visual impairment. And we began serving children with the full range of special needs and um, have been ever since. And that just continues to, to broaden all the time. But, um, but yeah, that's how the transdisciplinary team approach came about and the very prescriptive programs that we have each child on and it just delights my heart when I see that that is still going on today. And like I said, I love it because it's so reflective of how God works with us. You know, he yes. doesn't, you know, he sees each one of us as, as individual and unique. And, you know, no, no two children are exactly alike. They, they all have differing needs. Mm -hmm. And, um, yes, we could have a class and we can do maybe the same activity, but this child's going to need extra uh, extra propping up in order to be able to do that activity. This child is going to need a volunteer maybe helping him use his left arm, which he, he when he favors his right arm. And each child's going to need something a little unique in order to help them fully maximize whatever's being taught at that time. So I, I love the very individualized, uh, prescriptive approach and the transdisciplinary team, I just think it it reflects God's way. Marcia, I love hearing this the backside of the story from you. There's so much you've shared that I've never heard before. Um, but could you take us to that season in your journey before the little lighthouse started, when it really was just you and Phil with Missy implementing the programs that you were receiving? What was that like? Well, first of all, it was a miracle that we learned about this program in Oklahoma City. It was one of those things where someone told someone who told somebody else who told somebody else. I mean, it had passed through like five people before we learned about this program in Oklahoma City. So we could not wait to go over. And um, I, I was always one that loved to dress Missy up, just, you know, lots of frills and lots of bows. And uh, so I had her all dressed up in her best frills and bows. And was very, very nervous. We knew we were going to be seeing several professionals when we went over for our first trip to Oklahoma City. And um, you see, they had said they were just for the deaf and blind. And I knew 
our baby was not deaf. <laughs> Her hearing was so acute that I didn't say anything. And uh, as it turned out, they decided that they felt like they could go ahead and accept her because they said she was really too young to test her hearing at that time. Uh, remember, that's 50 years ago. And uh, so they said they would just assume she was deaf until they could prove otherwise. And so we took her over for our first appointment. And I remember meeting these very lovely people. Um, they were therapists and, like I said, social workers. There was a doctor. And they greeted us so warm and took us into a very large room that had all kinds of, like, big balls and equipment and so on. And, and uh, they said, why don't you just sit her down, um, sit her down on the floor? And so I set my baby doll down in the middle of the floor. And as I backed away, I thought, oh, Missy, don't do anything wrong. Don't do anything wrong. Do exactly what they want you to do. And I stepped back, and immediately she put her thumb in her mouth. And I was like, oh, don't do that right now. And all of a sudden, just as I was thinking that, one of the professionals raced over to her, picked her up, held her tight, and said, oh, Missy, that is so good. That is so good. And I was looking at her, I'm sure, so strangely. And she said, oh. I bet you don't know, understand what's, what I'm saying. It, it, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. She found her mouth with her thumb. And I said, uh-huh. Uh and they said, that's wonderful. You see, that tells us that she, she knows where her midline is. And I said, her midline? And they said, well, well yes. You see, we've got an arm on the right, arm on the left, a leg on the right, a leg on the left. And then there's our midline, and our mouth is in our midline. She has discovered her midline. And that is wonderful. That means that she'll be able to do patty cake and feed herself and do so many things. I was so proud of that baby. <laughs> she had discovered her midline, and I didn't even know what a midline was. <laughs> but she had discovered her midline in that moment. Christina, something wonderful happened besides the fact that they discovered that Missy had discovered her midline. They began to affirm me and my husband. You all are doing a great job. And, and they began to affirm other things about what progress that she had already made on her own. And I think one of the biggest struggles parents have is feeling inadequate. And we had felt, I was a teacher. But, and I had even been exposed to the blind all my growing up years, but I didn't know how to work with a child. I didn't know how to teach a child. And I had learned the first six years of the most important learning years we ever experienced, and I did not know how to help her if she could not see. But all of a sudden, I began to grow in confidence, and it was a huge thing that they did. And so... We left that day with a home program, which was on a legal pad, just sometimes it's stick figures, and they always put a bow on her head on the stick oh, figure, which precious. I loved. <laughs> but all these things that we could do, for example, they suggested that I wear a certain kind of perfume, mm -hmm. lots of it, all the time, mm -hmm. and my husband was directed to wear a certain kind of men's cologne, lots of it, all the time, so that she would know if we walked into her room. At that time, we did not know how much she would see. We knew she could see a little, but we didn't know how much she could see. And they said, you know, sighted babies, they see mommy coming into the nursery and they follow her around with their eyes. They feel safe. They know they're okay because there's mommy. But a blind baby can't see that. And so if she can smell and, 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 and the, the fragrance lets her know mommy's nearby, 
pop, daddy's nearby, then that gives her that added sense of security. And so, you know, we constantly wore that perfume and cologne. And I'm sure our friends knew we were coming for miles because we were always doused in the same thing. They suggested that I carry her on my back. At that time, um, they had, uh, similar to what they have today, but they carry them on the front. But at that time, it was on your back, and they said, carry her as long as you can during the day. Mm. I thought, what is that going to do? I put her on my back the first morning, and I realized that as I bent over to make the bed, she could feel my posture changing. She began to learn about how the body moves about, uh, because uh, if you're blind, you don't automatically know that. Yeah. When I went in to fix breakfast, I realized that she could smell bacon frying. She could feel the, the heat from the oven door opening and closing, and the cold from the refrigerator mm. door opening and closing. And She could experience all of these things. You see, one of the first questions they asked me was, is she a very good baby? And and I said, oh, yes. They said, does she like to just be left in the crib? And I said, oh, yes. And they said, you need to get her out of the crib. They're very gentle, very loving, but they said, we need to get her out of the crib. You want her out of the crib as much as you possibly can. And I began to see why, because on my back, she was learning and she was growing and, and she was developing. And so they were just simple little suggestions like that, but they made a world of difference. And so I'll always be grateful for that very individualized prescriptive home program we were able to put Missy on at the age of five months. Wow, that's amazing. And just like your story from the beginning where Phil became aware of the world around him, I'm sure that you became much more aware of everything that you were doing and, uh, and seeing the potential of explaining it to her. And that probably enriched your life as well as hers. I imagine there have been times throughout this journey where you've gotten discouraged because this it it started out as a little school with a few kids and one teacher but it grew and the the vision and the mission are so expansive i'm sure that it hasn't always been easy for you no and in those times um I mean, there were some really difficult times. If anybody's read Milestones and Miracles, they'll know that there's some, what I call the dark chapters. Yeah. And I always tell people, don't stop at the dark chapters. It gets, <laughs> it gets better. There's a rainbow uh, ahead of those. Um, but um, yeah, there, there were some discouraging uh, times. And, and quite honestly, uh, Christine, there were times when I just wanted to throw in the towel mm-hmm. and, and give up. And God just wouldn't, wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. And you might ask, well, how was it that he wouldn't let you? Um, well, God worked through precious people. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there was one time in particular that I, I really wanted to give up. It looked like, um, I called it a death of a vision because it looked for the world that the little lighthouse would have to close. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't understand why God would would lead us out that far into the endeavor only for it to close. I just didn't understand, but everything, everything was indicating that. And I had even, I even have journal entries where I was saying, God, what will you have us do with the equipment once the doors close? And how do I tell the parents uh, that the doors are going to be closing? And so, yes, I, I was exhausted. Um, uh, I was depleted, and one evening I went home and uh, just fell into bed and just cried myself to sleep. 
early. <laughs> it was early in the evening. And uh, uh, actually, uh, two precious staff members, one of them very close to you, happened to be your mom. Yes. And another uh, staff member at that time uh, knocked at our front door, and they asked to see me. And Phil said she's in bed. And they, they said, can we see her? Can we talk to her? And they came back, and they just began to minister to me. And I said, I'm just, I'm just too tired. I'm just, I'm, I, 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 I can't go on. And I remember one of them said this. They said, you know, you've mentioned a death of your vision. Well, we believe there's going to be a resurrection. And we hate for you not to be around for the resurrection <laughs> of this ministry. Well, little did I know how true those mm. words were. And uh, like I said, at that time, we were serving just a few children. And, uh, you know, it, it just looked like it was over. We, we had no funding. Uh, we we didn't, really didn't feel that we had enough children to continue serving. And uh, so... God really impressed upon my heart to stay with it and just to trust him. And that scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. Oh my goodness, that scripture has been so near and dear to my heart. And that was a time when I just had to trust him because it made no sense for us to continue at that time. And so I went back the next day and the next and the next but I would say that certainly scripture uh, was huge in um, ministering to my soul and my spirit. Uh, but I would also say that God used precious people. And I would encourage uh, precious Christian people that if you know somebody that's discouraged, you know, don't underestimate the way God can use you to encourage them. You know, I honestly don't know where things would be if it hadn't been for for your mom and uh, I believe it's Jan uh, Drusky. If it hadn't been for them, you know, I'm, I'm not sure there'd be a little lighthouse there today. So God works through people. And, um, uh, and of course, God, you know, ministers directly. Uh, God ministers through music, through people, through his word, uh, just through his spirit. And so it was by God's strength and God working through uh, precious saints <laughs> that uh, I, I continued because I was very, very weak, but God was very, very strong. Marcia, I so appreciate your vulnerability and authenticity in this conversation to give us a glimpse into how the Little Lighthouse came to be in your own personal journey as a mom and as a director. Are there any final words you'd like to share today with our listening audience to bring encouragement to them? Well, I probably most importantly, whether I'm speaking to parents or whether I'm speaking to someone who's maybe considering starting a ministry or maybe someone who um, uh, is uh, maybe staff members, um, you know, we're all going to face really difficult moments where we just don't know what to do. And God is saying, listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. 
and then trust me. And, uh, you know, I, I heard a, an illustration years ago about somebody who had fallen off a cliff and they're hanging on by just this little limb and uh, they're yelling, help, help. And finally this voice says, hello? And they go, oh, oh, it's help. Are you there? Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Help me, help me. And the voice says, I'll help you. And said, okay, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And the voice says, let go. There was a pause. And then this person hanging from this limb yells, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I think God is saying, let go. I've got you. You know, there was a, a time when we were going through this very, very difficult season. And God gave me this vision, and I'll I'll share that because maybe it'll be a help to somebody else. I was so tired. I was just so tired. And um, uh, God gave me this picture of me hanging on a trapeze up very, very high. (laughs) And I was so tired. I wanted to let go. I just wanted to let go. I didn't care what kind of fall was involved. I just wanted to let go. I was that exhausted. And I called out, God, help me. Help me. And all of a sudden, these two huge hands reached down and covered my hands, which were hanging onto the trapeze, wrapped around them. And my hands were like little baby hands compared to these big hands. And these big hands held onto my hands, which were still attached to the trapeze, so tight. And then I heard these words, okay, now just let go. I've got you. And so for parents that are struggling with, how are we going to do this? For that staff member that's struggling with, I don't know, I don't know how to help this child. For... Um, that person who feels like God is calling them to, to start a ministry of some sort, um, but they're totally lost and feeling totally inadequate or maybe totally exhausted, you know, I encourage them to listen to that wonderful voice that says, let go, I've got you. Because he does, and he will carry you. Um, and so long as you are seeking first the kingdom of God, and you are seeking to do his work, his way, he will provide for you everything that you need, whether it be wise counsel, whether it be uh, financial provision, whether it be additional manpower, expertise, whatever it might be, God is able. He is able to divinely connect people. And um, I've often said my third book would be called Divine Connections because it will be all about how God divinely connected people to bring about his perfect plan for the little lighthouse. And uh, so I I would just encourage people to uh, seek him and draw near to him, lean into him, and listen to his voice. And they just might hear him say, let go, I've got you. There's so much there. Thank you for sharing that. Just having a glimpse into the way you experience God is inspiring. And I think, when I think about 
parenting, I think a lot of times the dreams that parents of children with special needs have to give up are the expectation of the relationship they're going to have with their child and how they anticipate relating to their child. Sometimes in in hearing you speak, it makes me wonder about the the longing of God's heart in relating to us Mm -hmm. and how happy he must be that you come to him as a child and let him be your father and trust him. And my, my heart's desire as I'm listening to you, anticipating those who will get to hear it, is that hearts will be awakened to dream about what it looks like to really walk with God mm-hmm. and have a relationship with him and, and let him heal those disappointments and give new dreams that are richer than the ones we had to begin with. He's the center of it all. You know, it's so true. I, I never, ever would have imagined on that day that Missy was born, that God would use her to establish a ministry that one day would be reaching around the world. And as a result of reaching around the world would ultimately lead to my precious two granddaughters uh, from China. You know, only God, only God could put that together. Um, But if we will just trust him, he will show us, you know, when Missy was uh, 16, she was really struggling with, she was uh, considered technically legally blind, but she couldn't drive as a result. And all of her friends were getting driver's license and she was crushed. And one night she climbed up on my bed and she was sobbing, tears streaming down her face. She said, mom, I just need to know why. I want to know why, you know, why did God do this to me? And uh, why has this happened? And for a moment, I thought, where is my husband when I need him? <laughs> but I, 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 just, I just breathed a little prayer, and God gave me the answer. And I said, sweetheart, you can ask that question for the rest of your days, and it will probably only lead you to misery and defeat. Theologians have been debating that question for centuries. But if you will decide to turn that question around and instead ask God how he can use your circumstances for good, he will show you great and mighty things that will be beyond anything you would even imagine. And we talked on and on, and she later shared in her own testimony um, that that night she went running back to God, and she said, okay, God, show me. And God began to put it on her heart to begin a singing ministry, and she ended up um, singing all over the United States, um, doing concerts, and sharing her testimony about how God had worked in her life, and um, and sharing uh, not to ask why, but to ask God how he could work all things together for good. And um, so, you know, I just encourage people to not ask why, but ask God how. You know, his word is so true. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. If we'll just ask him how, he will show us how he wants to use our circumstances for good. We never would have imagined what he was going to do, but he had a plan. And it's better than we could have imagined. (laughs) Well, it's been an honor, Marcia, 
to have this conversation with you. I look forward to having many more, I hope. I look forward to it too. From your perspective, what does it mean to help kids be kids? I'm very curious to know what you're going to say. Well, you know, kids are kids. And, um, you know, all kids, whether they can see you or uh, can't see, or whether they can hear or can't hear, they're kids. And um, they have the same needs. And um, yes, there may be differences in the way we meet those needs, but they all have the same needs. They need to be loved and they need to be encouraged and they need to be, you know, um, praised for their progress. And, uh, you know, I, I love that the Little Lighthouse is all about helping all kids be kids. Um, you know, I remember uh, as I was thinking about doing this today, for some reason this, this came to mind. We had a, a precious little girl early on who was totally blind. She had actually um, had to have both of her eyes removed because of cancer. And so she was totally blind. And right about the same time, we enrolled another little girl, same age, about the same size, who was profoundly hearing impaired. And we wondered how they would connect. Well, they were kids. They connected like kids. <laughs> and it was so precious because one became the eyes for the other, and the other became the ears for the other. And it was just precious. They were so connected and uh, became best friends. And, you know, they, they were just typical kids when you think about it. Um, and, and they found a way. You know, we didn't know how it could possibly work, but they found a way. And they were inseparable. And um, so I think, I, you know, my favorite thing about the little lighthouse, uh, or one of my favorite things, is how we utilize play in the classrooms. You know, it doesn't have to be all about work. Uh, yes, there, there are uh, exercises and um, there's therapy that needs to be done, but I love how our staff makes it fun for the kids, letting kids be kids. And um, I pray that it is always that way. I'm just so proud of our staff. I, like I said, I might just be a tiny bit biased, but I really believe with all my heart, and I say this sincerely, that we have the best staff anywhere in the world. And um, they are totally devoted followers of Christ who want to be there to minister to children. And they are amazing. And I'm just, I'm so, so proud of them. Yes, I love that. What a beautiful answer. Thanks for sharing your perspective on that. And thank you again so much for sharing from your heart today. Thank you. It's been a blessing being with you. Wow. It's been such an honor to visit with Marcia and learn the behind the scenes journey of how the Little Lighthouse became what it is. And more than that, to hear her heart from one parent to another about the things that really helped her to put her journey into perspective and to pass that along to her daughter. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions for our staff or stories about how this podcast has benefited you, please email us at helpingkidspodcast at littlelighthouse.org. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us at littlelighthouse.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. 
At The Little Lighthouse, we gladly give away our services and resources for free. We can do this because of the generosity of people who believe in the value of all kids. If this podcast helped you, consider joining The Crew, a passionate and determined community of monthly givers on mission to discover solutions that change the future of kids with special needs. Until next time, enjoy helping your kids be kids.